Good morning and welcome to a wonderful episode. They're all wonderful, but this is even more wonderful, I think. Wonderful episode of Out of Grief Comes Art, the podcast from Grief Dialogues. I'm Elizabeth Copeland. And I'm Hallie Williams. And we are here today with Venice Vinegar. Who, hi. Uh, yes, hi, Venice. We hi, are. Uh, I'm particularly excited to have Venice here up. And just a little bit of a background before I let Hallie talk a little bit about who's sponsoring us today. But I just want to say again, Venice, thank you so much for joining us. I met Venice on a, a, a death over drafts event that was put on by Stephanie Elkins. At Be of, Present Care, right? Be Present She's Care. She's one of our sponsors. She, she is awesome. She is one of our sponsors. Love um, and we love Stephanie. And that was the first time that I participated in a de- uh, draft, death over draft. And I thought that was really, it was really a wonderful uh, opportunity to talk. But also it gave me the opportunity to meet Venice and what you shared on that uh, on that evening was just so much fun and interesting and I thought other people need to hear what you have to say. Now wait, hold up. Death over drafts. That's like does everybody get on Zoom and you have a beer? Yes. And, and then you talk about grief? You or talk you about, about- Death and life and grief yeah. and what's on your mind and preparing for end of life. And you don't necessarily have to have a beer, although some people do. Can we do did. cider? I'm a you cider can do girl. Cider. You okay. can do cider. You can All do right. water, whatever, oh, whatever water? Okay. literally floats your boat. <laughs> Ah, I see what you so there. yeah, we'll have to have Stephanie on to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. this because it's um it's a great way to to be you know to talk and a lot of times when people are dealing with grief we tend not to talk because quite yeah. frankly when we start talking uh, the people we're talking to often their eyes glaze over right. and they're like right. oh my god if she starts talking about death that's it's contagious oh, yeah. I don't want to talk about it oh and they shut down and right. so we shut down and that isn't healthy yeah. and that's why we're here to do this podcast is to get people to talk well this this deaths over draft sounds like a great way to meet other people who kind of are in the same headspace as you as well like absolutely Venice. yes so awesome. today cool. our show is sponsored by our show today is sponsored by grief coach this podcast is made possible in part by Grief Coach Text. Grief Coach sends personalized tips and resources to grievers and gentle coaching to friends and family who want to help but may not be sure how. All via text, all year long. Check them out at grief.coach. That's grief.coach. We love their tech support and think you will too. Um. We love them, and I know you will love them. I have them. They're great. Great sponsor and great friend to have through grief. All right. All right, guys. Today we have Venice, as we just said. Hi, Venice. Hi, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Where Thank are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Um, where are you? Where are you in the world? I am in Los Angeles, California, in this heat wave. Oh, heat wave. <laughs> How hot is it? Uh, well, I think it's got anywhere from 80 to 100, depending on which city you live in out here. Oh, my gosh. So it's it's been hot. Yeah. Okay, we are, we're over here in Seattle, and we are on Elizabeth's back porch, and we just saw a big baby deer, a teenage deer. Yeah, I don't a big know. buck. Big <laughs> buck. Just walk right in front of the yard, so, um, it's pretty cool. We've got an audience. We've got a live audience on our show today. Um, yes. 
Okay, so uh, you guys heard how Venice got connected with us and Elizabeth immediately. I actually remember the email coming through. She was like, check this lady out. And she sent me her link and um, to a book she has written. And she was like, she seems really awesome. I just spoke with her at this event. I really think we should do some research on her. So I did, and I agreed. And um, she gracefully accepted so you have an incredible grief story that I really resonate with because, um, well, I think you have grief of loss of life, but you also have a little bit of like an identity grief, I think, within your yes. story and a career grief, which is, you know, big for me. Um, so that really perked my ears up because I really resonate with that. Um, but let's see, I do have... She, I, I always ask our podcast guests to send us like a biography, like, you know, what would you say about yourself and like what you've done? And oh my gosh, hers is so in the best way, in the most fascinating way was so long. I was like, you have done 9 million things. Like, <laughs> what? Um, so I will try to summarize this. But after a job loss, Venice traveled from a major, major company, actually, can we can we say the company? Or we can say the company. We can? Yes? yes. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. um, Disney, right? Yeah. Okay. So after a job loss, she traveled to South Africa, and she did not bring Hallie with her, which was her first offense, and <laughs> to find a new meaning and purpose, she turned COVID-19 lockdown into an educational sabbatical, the career break to explore new paths. Um, she was an advocate for quality education in underserved communities, which is just amazing, to foster economic empowerment. It was basically catharsis for the past three years, and she completed her first draft manuscript for a holistic self-help nonfiction transformational book of 365 days of evidence-based best practice for finding passion, purpose, and dream jobs. She has been through the challenge of traumatically losing her father to fourth stage multiple my, ooh, my, myeloma. Did I say that right? Yes. And surviving a blindside job loss in hospice with an aunt. She yes. also gave me a few, like, tidbit sentences about herself, which is just awesome. Um, she said to me in an email, and I just gathered it, and I don't know if I have her permission to say it, but I'm saying it. She said, I believe in a still, small voice that directs and guides us. Mm, yes. I love that. And I believe that my father, my aunt, and my guardian angels are watching over me 24-7, 365 days a year. I no longer have a fear of death, but I feel the clock ticking. Another thing about Benice is that she says she's a natural-born introvert, and she prefers quiet and solitude in her home environment, but can turn on her extrovert when she goes out into the world. Man, do I... I love all that. So, okay, I tried to unpack it, but go ahead and give us your version of your grief story. And oh, that was beautiful. Thank you, Helen. That was, that was perfect. Oh, thanks. My version of my grief story, um, I guess it began uh, with the loss of my father, mm. and uh, it was not something that, you know, you anticipate. You don't anticipate a loved one having to battle a cancer. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, he lost his battle, um, tragically. Ironically... Even back then, this was 2003, uh, I came, I crossed paths with Stephanie. Mm -hmm. uh, she was working with Compassion and Choices. 
which is an organization for individuals who have lost loved ones through suicide. Yeah. So Stephanie and I go all the way back to the campaign to um, have the End of Life Option Act mm-hmm. passed in California so that people can have access to authorized medical aid and dying. Uh, if this option had been available to my father to relieve his suffering with his battle uh, with multiple myeloma cancer, mm-hmm. uh, it became too unbearable, not just for him to go through, but for uh, my mother and I to watch. Uh, his life journey would have not been so tragic. It wouldn't have been such a tragic ending. Mm. So that law was passed, um, and I'm glad it was. And that was actually the beginning of my grief journey mm. because I had never imagined uh, my life without my father. Yeah. And mm. there it was, it arrived in 2003. And I really was not sure how I was going to survive uh, without my dad. Mm. So um, that's kind of like my grief story. Yeah. Um, and, and did something when he died uh did you feel like something switched when did the career when did the career path change as well did that all happen at the same time i mean did it all fall apart at the same time or or was it one thing after another well you know things happened i had space in between um the the transition okay and let's see what was the question what were you asking me what was what was the timing timing Oh, the timing. The timing, actually, for the transition uh, where I became more comfortable with the grief and death and dying Mm -hmm. is when I became caregiver for his last remaining sister. And that was a two-year journey where I became her caregiver. Being the oldest in the family, uh, and I wasn't working, my sister has her own business. So I became caregiver for my father's last remaining sister. That was 2017 to 2019. Wow. I had no idea that she was going to suffer a brain hemorrhage. Oh. Uh, into hospice. Mm. But that was my first experience with hospice. Right. Wow. Um, and, yeah. I want to point out to our listeners that we often think our grief story starts with somebody's death. And in reality, it actually most often starts with the end of life that is approaching. Possibly, you said your father, but here you also become a caregiver for your for your aunt, right? So yes. your grief story, like so many people, is actually very complicated. It's not mm-hmm. a single loss. Not and it's cut. not, it's not, it's yeah. messy. Yeah. It's messy. Grief is very messy. So I wanted to kind of point out to our listeners, especially when we were thinking the timeline. And, and so the, the um, I think, to what you were alluding to is kind of, the t- so in 2003, your dad died. So there was, he was sick for how long prior to his death? Um, I, a couple of a couple of years before okay. that. So a fair yeah. amount of time. And then yeah. and then you were the caregiver for your aunt. Right. And um, then I in there, that. did you also lose your job? Is that... Yes. Yeah. So the career okay. grief, that yeah. I lost my job in 20... Uh, I'm sorry, in 2011. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, right in the middle of all of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's... A, you, uh, yeah. Wow. 2011. Uh-huh. Uh, 
And that's when the career grief, I experienced that because Mm -hmm. when you've been with a company for five years and you don't think that you're going to go anywhere else, you're happy doing what you are doing. Mm -hmm. You're happy working. You don't have a vision for yourself beyond what you're doing. And so um, I experienced a a company-wide downsize of 500 employees. (gasps) Mm. Uh, I was part of that 500. Yeah. That was, when I lost that job, I experienced the career grief as well. You know, I just recently lost my father a few months ago, as our listeners know, and the thing that... (laughs) is I resonate with this because life is still going on. Like life doesn't care that you're grieving, Do you know, right? Mm-hmm. Like in your mind, you're like, I'm grieving and every- it's like all consuming, but like the, the normal, for lack of better terms, the normal BS of life still comes whether you're in the headspace yes. for it or not. So it sounds happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of got hit with triple whammy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So when did you head to South Africa? What when was that? That was in twenty seventeen. Okay. Um, and the thing about that is my aunt called me in twenty seventeen to let me know that there was something wrong. Oh. And we couldn't quite figure it out. And what was wrong was that she was suffering from um schizophrenia, paranoia. Mm. Um she was you know, her, her mental health was declining. And her phone call to me was to let me know that something was wrong. So I didn't know if I was going to, I had booked that trip to, to South Africa and she felt ill mm-hmm. in 2017 as well. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to go, but everything worked out well uh, because she went immediately into a nursing facility. So she was going to be under that care until I got back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to go. I came back. And when you were in South Africa, is that when you got the idea to work on your book? So you are, you was a, it was a collaboration, right? Um, well, there's two. We're, we're talking about, I think you're talking about two books. Oh. The first one, the first one uh, was an anthology collaboration. Okay, that yes. is not my project. That is something that um, kind of fell into my lap in 2020. It was in 2019 that mm-hmm. I came up with the idea to write my solo project. Yes. Um, so that's how that happened. 2017, I went to South Africa. I came back, did a little more research and study. 2019, the book idea came. Mm-hmm. So I worked on that from 2019 to 2021. Wow. Tell us about that book. What is it called? Where can we get it? And what was really the premise of that book for you? Well, I've only done the first draft of my project okay and my project is um the idea came to me to create 365 days and 365 pages and 365 days wow. of best practices for finding passion purpose and dream jobs because i was on that journey yeah. and what i was doing was my sabbatical was just taking a deep dive into the many levels and layers uh, of the process of job search and that's how the idea came about The levels and layers of job search. I like that. And it's psychological as well. So I really fell in love with the entire, the the whole enchilada. It was like, I've got to just pull back the layers on this. And that's really how the book came about. I wanted to start sharing what I was learning, these best practices that are evidence-based. So um, that's how the 365 
idea came. Oh, good. Okay, so what 365 best practices, so something every day. Something every single day. I want my intention is to because we need something every single every single day. We need something to get up uh, that is the light at the end of our tunnel. If we are going through dark times, hard times, we don't want to give up. So is so, this like an, is this like a manifestation book? Oh, there's a plane going by, guys. Sorry if it's loud. Um, is, oh, this, is this like it's manifestation? A, there is an affirmation at the okay. bottom. Okay. To, nurture manifestation so it's a little bit of spiritual it's a little bit of best practices and yeah. traditional all in one. Oh, i this is right up my alley mm. i mm. love things like this and but i haven't ever seen something that's like a 365 days but that's helpful because grief or anxiety or you know any of of those emotions that kind of swirl happen 365 days <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we never know which part of grief we're dealing with on on any particular day. But the bottom line is, like you said, life does not wait for you to pick yourself up and get going again after you experience grief. You have to move forward with it and be productive and creative. And there's still life to live beyond the grief. We just have to get ourselves there. Oh, there's still life wow. to live beyond the grief. Okay, so additionally, since we just spoke about your first book, go ahead and tell me about the collaboration that you worked on as well. And that one is called Women Inspiring Nations, I'm Still Standing. Uh, yeah, that is something that um, fell into my lap during the pandemic. Right. Um, I went online and I already was a part of communities uh, in person, but when we all went online in 2020, I stayed online and I just happened to come across other communities that were still they were still getting things done and i came across this um empowerment coach and i started following her okay she she has a series of books called women inspiring nations okay and she was working on her third collaboration mm -hmm. and i just happened to be following her during that time and when i when i heard the title i'm still standing um the main title is always Women Inspiring Nations, but right. the subject title was I'm Still Standing. And I was just standing in 2020. Right. Uh, I, right. So I thought, okay, I've got to do this project. It was an opportunity to share my story, have it published, you know, under somebody else's publication. Right. Uh, get my story out there. So that's how that happened. Was that the um, first time that you started to do use writing? Um, or have you always been a writer or... I truly believe that writing, I'm getting my gift from my dad. I actually have a letter here that he wrote by hand. Mm -hmm. It's covering, uh, there's something called the TMA. Tell me about yourself when you're job interviewing. Ah, uh, okay. Tell people about yourself in 60 seconds or less, 60, 30, 15. Uh, it's called an elevator pitch. Uh, but I found a letter that my dad wrote uh, when he was interviewing for a job. And that, to me, let me know that I was on the right track in terms of the book that I wanted to create for job seekers or just people in general who are kind of lost and uh, not quite sure what their passion or purpose is in life. Yeah. And that it's possible to have a dream job once you know those two things. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, like, I have 
why my ears really perked up when I was researching you was about losing the job because I wrapped myself up in my work identity. And I think a lot of women or people do. And so then when, when you lose something big like that, it can be devastating. And it's almost like grieving the loss of, of a person. It's, it's grieving loss of identity. Oh, yeah. I did lose identity. I was grieving the loss of that identity. You have an exit interview where they take everything away from you. Oh. Bring you down to your bare bones. Yeah. I did, I did experience that. And I that grief, uh, I did carry for a long time, but mm-hmm. I found things around the, the uh, process, the job search process. So yeah. it just helped me reinvent myself and I became a butterfly, <laughs> and I just, I just am excited about everything that I've learned on this journey uh, that I want to share with others. I love it. Mm. I want. Oh, go ahead, please. Well, no, I was just curious your process. So you lost, you lost your dad, you lost your job, you lost your aunt. It's a lot. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> so during this time, then did you? Did you consciously say, okay, I'm going to sit down and write now? Or what, what was your process? How did you use your, your, the art of writing? How mm-hmm. did you use that during this time? That, that practice came from a job search practice, which is journaling. Okay, journaling. Okay, okay. Yes. yes. So um, I was in a group where we had to journal our job search efforts okay. every week. And then we had to report them in a month, in a, I'm sorry, in a weekly meeting. The journaling led to my idea to write the book. Mm-hmm. Then the process came where I just committed to uh, the idea of the 365 and uh, 365 days. In order to do that, I had to commit to sitting down at some point during the day, no matter what was going on, and knock out um, right. 300 words at least. For a page. Wow. Right? And that was the process. Right. And how did that feel? It felt wonderful. Oh, good. Uh, I, and I didn't realize until you guys reached out to me that I was still grieving mm. and I was still recovering from the loss of my father and my aunt. Uh, I was still in grief mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you keep and, yourself like? consistent on the days when you didn't want to do it because I know those days existed well <laughs> I think I uh, first of all I think I'm an overachiever yeah and I made that commitment I announced it in a workshop and so for me my pride is that I have to make this happen because I put it out into the universe your word is your bond right yep. yeah yes. mm. and like this is really amazing because I think think it's hard to hold yourself accountable to do you know like right like oh man I don't know this is this is a bad analogy but this is my good old mom analogy for our listeners um like the whole laundry situation you're like I'm gonna do a load a day and then you're like I really don't want to do this today so I'll do two tomorrow and then it snowballs and then you have like 10 loads of laundry to do and you're like we have no underwear left here we are so like i i am so proud of you and you should be so proud of yourself for really holding yourself to this no every day whether i want to or not i'm going Mm -hmm. to sit with myself and process something right whether it's good stuff or not right like yes and you have a good point because if you don't stay on top of it uh, like you said it snowballs 
And if you get too far behind, then you can't catch up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't feel, then it's not therapeutic or helpful. Then it becomes that, that nagging or, or, you know, feeling in the back, anxiety in the back of your head. Right. Yes. So what kind of um, tips might you have for someone who says, you know what, um, journaling, I, yeah, I think that would help me a lot to sit down and mm-hmm. write some things out. Um, do you have some tips on how to stay motivated or some uh, prompts or, right. you know, how, how would, what would you recommend to someone who wants to use writing as a way to work through grief? Oh, well, first of all, anything that we do, we have to make sure that it's something we enjoy doing. Mm. Mm. So other people may not want to write. They might want to do something uh, audio-wise. But in terms of writing, if you have discovered that that is something that you're comfortable with in doing, making a commitment, Mm -hmm. uh, setting boundaries. Oh. uh, So that you are, and you have to let other people know, this is what I'm doing. This is when I'm doing it. Oh. Uh, Don't bother me. Uh, you know, set your boundaries, um, commit to the process and trust the process. Um, do you give, did you give yourself yourself, sorry, did you give yourself prompts of what to talk about? Or did you just sit down with like your laptop and you were like, okay, 300 words of whatever I'm looking at. Like how, how did you find a. Well, first of all, I started, once I decided I wanted to write the book, yeah. then I love the law of attraction okay. because other people, I started meeting other people who were writing books and they were writing books on subject matters that I was passionate about. Ooh. So I come across a woman who has written a, already written a book on 365 days. I spoke to her, met her at an event, spoke to her, was moved by her uh, presentation, spoke to her, told her my, shared my dream with her. She said, you need to buy my book because I've already done a 365. And I did buy her book. I looked at her book. And uh, that was really the catalyst for how my vision fell into place Yeah. for the one that I created. Mm. And, they're, and they're totally different. They don't even look alike. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was inspiring. Yes. Mm-hmm. So another. So I guess, you know, we say out of grief comes art. And we're always, of course, advocating of like, you know, go create art as a healthy tool, you know, through grieving. But also, maybe simply just surrounding yourself and being inspired by art during your grief process is mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. I think really, when we're in grief, it's not sitting at home. It's getting out, mm. getting involved with the world. Um, I say, you know, we're not the only one. We think we may be the only one who has lost a family member through mm-hmm. tragedy, but we're not. Uh, there's what a few billion people on the planet. So right. understand that we're that we're not the only one going through this process. Volunteer with organizations where other people mm-hmm. are also going through grief. Right. Uh, be empathetic to uh, other people who may be going through that same experience. Get out into the world. Yeah. Don't stay at home. Do those things that find those things that you do that that make you smile, that bring you joy, uh, that make you feel like a child again. When we start exploring those things, uh, the grief subsides. Mm-hmm. It gets, then there's that overlay of, of finding things that you enjoy and then you don't think about it so much. Right. But it, or you might you think have, about it differently. 
Yes, you can think about it differently because I had to figure out, um, let me see, let me share this with you uh, in terms of turning grief into art. Um, I found I found purpose after grief by facing my why, why I was feeling it, why I was letting it bring me down. Uh, how did how did I my my question to myself was how do I reframe my thinking, feelings, and emotions around mm-hmm. grief to turn it into something positive that would be beneficial to others? Yeah. So wow, that's, that's kind that's, of what that's brilliant. Facing my why that's yes. that's that's key. I think. Um, right, it was the other way I did. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I, wow. I, I embraced, I did not embrace a victim mentality. I instead embraced a survivor growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And I began to turn my grief over my father's passing into my superpower. Wow. Oh, I love that. I love this. Yes. For oh. so many reasons for every human. I think that that's something that we can all just resonate with. And mm-hmm. I, I especially love it because I, I am in the thick of grief where I'm looking at my life and reevaluating a lot of things that just everything looks just a little different now. Mm. So I thank you for your words on, on this because it's insightful and it's, it's affirming to hear it from somebody else, right? Yes. That, that's I agree that you lost your dad. And um, I can tell you that they want us to make them proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love that. Grief, that we can make them proud with our grief because we, if we turn our grief into our superpower, we can do that for them. Right. I, okay, oh, I, I love write that. that down. That's fantastic. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Uh, well, this has just been wonderful. We could we could definitely talk to you for days. And um, so so I know you're in the process still of writing this book, but do you have a website or anything where we can follow this journey of yours? Because it's fun to see the journey that you're on too and be inspired by that because it is all well, a process. Well, when I, you know, I, everything about me is on LinkedIn. Yes. Um, every social media website that we pick up, it all takes time. Right. Yes. I have that kind of time. So I do take the time to keep my LinkedIn uh, definitely updated. I was actually going to say that um, as we as we do our sign off, I was going to say, all right, guys, she is on LinkedIn like a super lady. Um, she's <laughs> she's a supernova LinkedIn lady. Um, yeah. And, and I was looking you not only does she have just a wonderful LinkedIn with all sorts of information of her projects, but she is really good at reposting helpful articles and all sorts of um, things happening and uplifting others as well. So if you are looking for, of course, 365 days of inspiration, not only is she writing a book on it, she has it on her LinkedIn. Um. (laughs) Yes. So we will definitely put out there uh, the link to LinkedIn. I see you got quite a few followers, which is wonderful. So we will join in that group. Uh, thank you again so so much for being with us today and we want to have you back as you progress on this journey keep us updated yeah what's happening with the book and we want to make sure that that we get that out there as well so thank you so much for joining us today venice um stay cool down there in southern california you are such a beautiful soul your energy just radiates through this 
this call. We can feel it. So it's fantastic. So Elizabeth, I'm so happy to have met you both, and we will stay in touch. Absolutely. Totally. Thank you. And this has been another episode of Out of Grief Comes Art with Elizabeth Copeland and Allie Williams. Have a great Wednesday. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.